Section 1 of The Age of Elizabeth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami, M.D. The Age of Elizabeth by Mandel Creighton. Introduction. The period of the Reformation marks a great change in the general condition of Europe. It was a change which had been slowly coming, but which then first made itself decidedly and clearly known. New knowledge had arisen amongst the peoples of Europe, and new ideas had come from different sides. The old Latin writers were discovered and read with eagerness. The fall of Constantinople sent many Greeks and much of the old Greek literature into Europe. The discovery of the New World extended men's ideas of their surroundings and opened up a wide field for their speculations. National feeling had grown stronger throughout Europe, as the nations had become united under strong rulers. The result of all this was that men's interests became more secular, that the old ecclesiastical system did not so entirely cover men's lives as it had done in the Middle Ages. The change may be seen by noticing how gradually the crusading spirit passed into the spirit of colonization. Both were founded on the love of adventure, but this, when guided by ecclesiastical feeling, led to the Crusades, when guided by national feeling, led to colonization. As men found that they had more interests outside the ecclesiastical system, they began more to criticize its organization and working. They felt that man was not made for church system, but church system for man. There were demands on all sides for a reformation of the existing state of things. It was impossible to advance in other matters until religion had first been dealt with. Everyone who wanted to make any improvement found that he must begin from religion in some shape or another. If he were a scholar like Erasmus, who wanted to make men wiser, he soon found that the existing conditions of religion stood in his way. If he were a politician, like Charles V, he soon found that the religious questions were the chief ones which he had to consider in conducting affairs. Some men were content with the old state of things, either from interested motives or from real love for that form of worship in which they had been born and bred. Others wished to keep the old system but make a few alterations in it. They believed the government of the church to be the right one and to be, moreover, quite necessary, though they thought that it had been carelessly carried on and needed improvement. Others declared that they could find no authority in Scripture for the existing system of the church and wished to change it altogether. Gradually men had to range themselves on one side or the other. Either they thought that in and through the church only did man have communion with God, or they thought that God would receive any man who faithfully turned to him. This was the broad distinction between the two parties we shall call Catholics and Protestants. Hence it was that religion naturally became the battleground of the old and new state of things. A religious change was, moreover, most deep-reaching in its consequences. It could not be made without leading to changes in politics and society also. 
for a change in belief meant a schism from the existing Christian community. This community was ruled over by the Pope, who kept together the different local authorities and secured the unity of Western Christendom in ecclesiastical matters. A change of belief meant a revolt from his authority. This was very difficult to carry out in any case, for the people who lived under one civil government were not likely all at the same time to agree to make this change. They differed in consequence about almost every point, for the old ecclesiastical system went down to the very foundation of daily life and affected almost everything that men did. In every state, therefore, there were divisions, and that, too, about serious matters. It was not merely a question of religious beliefs or forms of worship. The church had large lands. Were these to go to the old religion or to the new religion, or were they to be taken up for secular purposes? Were priests to be looked upon as ordinary men, or were they the sole channels through whom men could obtain salvation? Were they to marry, or were they not? These were questions which had to be settled in some way or another. Those who held to the old beliefs could not endure without a struggle to see all that they reverenced set aside. Not only must they keep to the old beliefs themselves, they must see also that the old system was handed down to those that came after them, they must see that it was not destroyed. So, too, those who had accepted the new beliefs felt that they must try to spread their own convictions and must try to root out superstition. Nothing but discord could be the result of these opposite convictions. The Reformation then introduced division into every state, division which was more or less bitter according as the two parties were more or less equally balanced. But this was not all. Besides affecting the internal condition of states, the Reformation greatly affected their relations toward one another. According to the old state of things, Christendom was one, but now it had ceased to be so. According to the old ideas, the emperor was the temporal head of Christendom, and now it was to be expected that he would try and bring back unity if it were at all possible. Besides all the other causes for quarreling which existed in Europe between different states, difference of religion was now added. The consequence of this was that politics and religion became most strangely mixed together. Not only were these two parties in each state in open or concealed warfare with one another, but also all the relations between states were regulated very greatly by religious considerations. Protestantism began simply enough in an attempt to worship God more in accordance with the dictates of reason and conscience. This attempt, however harmless it might seem, really meant a great change in the government of the state which allowed it to be made. It meant also a great change in all the political relations of Europe. It was hardly likely that these changes could be made peaceably. The interests involved were too great. Only after a period of internal struggle did each nation decide which side it was going to take. Only after a period of great conflict 
did Europe form itself into a new political system. The interest of the first half of the 16th century lies in tracing the causes that brought about the religious movement and in seeing how the new principles were at first worked out. The interest of the last half of the 16th century lies in seeing the political effects which were produced by the religious movement when it had once taken root. These political results, as we have seen, were of two kinds. They affected the nation separately, and they affected Europe as a whole. We have then to keep before us these two main points. Number one, the internal conflicts of the nations of Europe before each decided which side and religion it should take as a nation. And two, the changes in the political relations of Europe generally, which the Reformation brought about. It is, of course, impossible to keep these two points separate from one another, but it will be easier to understand what was going on and to see the reasons for the relative importance of events if these two main points be kept in view. In the middle of the 16th century, the revolt against the authority of the Pope had spread over the greater part of northern Europe. Norway, Sweden, and Denmark had accepted the Protestant teaching. England had thrown off obedience to the Pope, though Henry VIII was not in favor of any great change in doctrine. Germany was divided into Protestant and Catholic states, the Protestants prevailing in the north and the Catholics in the south. The Swiss cantons were divided into Catholic and Protestant, but the Swiss Protestants were not agreed with the Protestants of Germany. There were also Protestants in France, Scotland, and the Netherlands, though as yet they had not made any very important advance. We shall have to trace the fortunes of the Reformation in the following countries. 1. In Germany, where a temporary toleration was devised. 2. In England, where the revolt from Rome was confirmed, and Protestant opinion was seen to be necessary to the political liberty of the country. 3. In Scotland, where the people shook off Catholicism almost at once and changed their old political attitude to agree with their new religious condition. 4. In the Netherlands, where Protestantism fostered a desire for freedom and supported the people in a long war against Spain. 5. In France, where a long period of civil war was caused by religious differences, but, in the end, Catholicism proved itself to be more deeply rooted than Protestantism. Besides these occurrences in the separate countries, we have to see how the struggle between Protestantism and Catholicism in Europe generally tended to center round the two powers of England and Spain. The result of this struggle was that England began to take the foremost position in Europe, while Spain, though still wearing the appearance of outward strength, grew internally weaker and weaker. End of section 1